0: Hello and welcome to Pedagodzilla, the pedagogic podcast with the pop culture core. Today we will be answering the bloody stupid question and slightly awkward in the mouth, come Dunning with me Kruger. Whether teaching or dining, how do you know if what you are serving up is actually any good? As you can see, we've cunningly embedded some things in there. That's the Dunning-Kruger effect and come dine with me. Anyway, before we get onto that, i am mike hello i am imposter syndrome incarnate a man with a microphone and a learning designer at the open university and joining me on this fine
1: sunny friday afternoon we have i'm mark childs i'm a senior learning designer at durham university and uh, i think my only claim to fame is i got a phd in education pretty good claim to fame that is yeah (laughs) better than microphone ownership in (laughs) mike
2: yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, i guess i'll do a claim to fame one as well okay uh (laughs) Hi, I'm Paul, a learning designer at the Open University. Uh, my only real claim to fame is that I've uh, performed in the Cavern in Liverpool, and uh, that was quite fun. Oh,
0: so oh What were you doing?
2: Wow! I I play drums, so I was playing with a band. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, that's that's incredible. Was it like? Is it a band we should know? Are you like a secret member of like
2: Foo Fighters or something? <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. No, uh, it was a, a high school band called Plantfoot, uh, which what you know, obviously the best band in the world that nobody's ever heard of.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, we'll be playing some uh, some Plantfoot in the outro of this episode. <laughs> uh, <keep laughs> on that. Okay, so yes, uh, our bloody stupid question for today: Come Dunning with Me, Kruger whether teaching or dining, how do you know if what you're serving up is actually any good? Let's break that down into its constituent parts in the first part of the show. Part one, the question. Okay, so um, come dine with me and the Dining crew. effect. Shall we just talk about come dine with me first? So
2: here's a little uh, nutshell description of come dine with me. So in order to become the perfect Dinner party host. Each participant takes turns during the week to cook and entertain the rest. Uh, The rivals, meanwhile, snoop around the house and award each other points. And the winner of the show is whoever has the most points.
0: It's wonderful. It's such a good show. It's like a. It's a British. I mean, it's been described uh, multiple times as a British institution. Uh, It's been going since two thousand and five, primarily on Channel Four. I think it's on its forty-something season. Yes, and it's one of those TV shows that is wonderfully cheap to produce and sort of covers all of the um kind of the, the human motivators of voyeurism um, and that particularly british desire to see people
1: being awful to each other and failing spectacularly well um, well, well you say typically british but i I was looking on the website and it's I, it must be the show that's had that format sold to the most countries is there something of like 30 or 40 countries actually I mean, yeah. you
0: should say yeah. that. Because there are some incredible names for the syndicated versions internationally. <laughs> I enjoyed researching these go earlier. Go so, on. In Brazil, the translated name goes as a game of pans. Uh, in Latin, wow. it's an almost ideal dinner. The Netherlands uh, have their version as your tastes differ for sure. Um, and the US uh, took the prize for me with Dinner Takes All, which I thought was quite snappy. Oh, yeah, that's good.
2: Definitely. Poor Latvians, though, because that kind of indicates that it's not the perfect dinner. It's just an almost ideal one.
0: I think I think they got it right, just right, there. I think they really kind of nailed the uh, theme of the show because I always feel whenever I've watched it before that the most interesting bit of it is not when the person does is the perfect host and the perfect cook, but when some part of the formula has failed spectacularly
2: definitely yeah it's always the most entertaining i've always thought though about come down with me and i don't know if you guys will agree i don't understand the what the difference in in the ratings actually means so like what's the difference between a six and a seven for example there's no clarity there for me which um is maybe i'm kind of over analyzing it but it could just be as simple as like good bad indifference and it would be the same outcome wouldn't it you know Oh well,
1: that's that's a really good issue for assessment, isn't it? Is like,
2: it's like, why do we have
1: one hundred different percentages you could give people, and actually pass and fail would probably be enough. Yeah, know? yeah. So yeah, it's good. I mean, so what's the I, the thing I don't get is what's the bit with them wandering around the house looking at stuff? I mean, how does that play into the marks, or, or is it just a sort of sidelong thing? And it must just be for entertainment, I think. Surely, okay. yeah. There's no way it plays into the thing.
2: Yeah, like it. It. it, I think it tries to give you like a stylized insight into the host's character in some way, which I suppose maybe feeds into the marks. But then I guess that goes back to the what? What's the actual marking criteria?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Has anyone ever come across anything that's just really like dodgy, or that they'd have cut that out?
0: Oh, all the time. It seems to be what they're always after. It's oh, um... really. I don't know if it, it might just be my chance in the episodes that I've watched, but it seems to be that they sort of disappear into the bedroom and they're kind of searching under the bed for like, you know, what's the, six six toys the most grotesque battery powered thing I can find <laughs> in yes. my host.
2: And there's, there's always one, I'm going to say character, one character that always kind of is happy to jump on the bed and one character that's always very reluctant, but does join them eventually. <laughs> like, I think that's the winning formula. I should say as well, It's a, it's a daytime TV
0: show. Um, so if you are in the UK, you can catch it pretty much any day of the week. And if you ever find yourself stuck in a, uh, in a British hotel, uh, with only access to freeview TV, um, I can almost guarantee that, um, pretty much yeah any any daytime
1: you can just uh hop into it and uh yeah it's wonderful it's brilliant Definitely. and even if you're not into cooking or whatever it's the narration you've got dave lamb is just comes out with the most sarcastic ironic comments based on yes. what the person's just said and so that's what i've got out of it i'm not really fond of cooking programs at all but just listening to him just really ripping into the different people <laughs> in his commentary is just really funny. So it's worth it from that point of view, really.
2: Definitely, and I think the other incarnations of Come Down with Me across the world will basically can't really compare to that, can they? In terms of his ability to make the show what it is, I suppose. Yeah. Hmm.
0: From what I understand, like the American take on it was a little bit more kind of high rent, and that always felt like it was a uh, miss the point. Like yes. the best British TV is a little bit crap like that's that's a lot of the appeal.
1: Well I think that's the difference between uh, I, I remember Stephen Fry this is was talking about the difference between American and British sitcoms and in American sitcoms the central character is always on top of things they're always more competent than everybody else they're the wise cracking people that can that just stand above everyone um whereas the British sitcoms the central characters are always a bit more shit than everybody else. <laughs> and those are the people that we love, the ones that actually aren't that competent and are worse than us, or at least or we identify with the people that are less competent than we are. And it's an intrinsic difference between the cultures. I'm not saying no American ever, like, uh, uh, I mean, obviously Red Dwarf is huge in the US. So there is that's the appeal of British comedy. But as far as what appears on the TV, that seems to be the difference between those two representations of culture. And I'm guessing one translates well into Come Dine With Me, and one gets a bit too competitive, really. The American version of Taskmaster fell down because of that. Yeah, I guess it would. I've not seen it, but I could imagine
0: that. Yeah. yeah Americans don't handle crapness well. <laughs> um, so that is uh, Come Dine With Me in a nutshell. So let's look at the other part of our question, Thank the go. other component of our question, which was Dunning Kruger, the Dunning Kruger effect specifically. I've got a few
1: notes on this, but I wonder okay. if anybody else would like to uh, to take up the um, the sword. Yeah, I, I I'll jump in because I haven't got anything detailed to say, but it was just a general overview, and I think like there's part of it that I think we're all familiar with, which is this idea that you know you, you start off with unconscious incompetency about anything so you don't know what you don't know when you're getting when you know when you're <laughs> when you're working through life it's like oh i've never heard of that i've never heard of i don't know matching colors and so you don't know that you don't know how to match colors and then you kind of hear about it and you you sort of you become the next stage is conscious incompetency so you're aware of the fact that you don't know anything you've learned a little bit more and then you get to conscious competency, which is where you've learnt the skills, but you still have to think about them all the time. And then the final stage, like and the stuff that we do take for granted all the time, is where you get to unconscious competency. So you're going for, uh, and that's the final stage, basically. And we we've seen that with learning all the way through. And what Dunning Kruger, Dunning and Kruger, it's two different people, found was that they interviewed a whole bunch of, I think it was students, about their competencies basically along those four different things and they found that people that didn't know what they didn't know so were still con- had this unconscious incompetency about stuff not only did they not they didn't know about it but also they didn't know enough to be able to reflect on their ability so that meant that they were always overestimating how good they were at something so for instance it might be grammar you might think oh, i'm a brilliant writer But that's because you don't know some of the basic rules of grammar so that when you're reading back your stuff, you think it's brilliantly written. And it's not because you just don't happen to know the rules that somebody who's a little bit better, who started to learn this stuff, can then look at it and go, oh, you know what, I don't know anything about this. This is really bad because it could be like this, something else that's better. And so we found that at the lower end. But then at the top end, you'd get to unconscious incompetence, the the, uh, unconscious competency people They have all these skills, they just take them all for granted, and they just assume, therefore, that everybody else has those sorts of skills. So then, at that end, people tend to underestimate how competent they are, because they don't realize that all the skills that they've got are some of the things that that nobody else really has and so and so you know you've got that kind of discrepancy at both ends so so yes so i think that's those are the basics of it
2: one of my favorite things is is the origins of it so um if I may. So on April the 19th, 1995, MacArthur Wheeler robbed a bank with his face glazed in lemon juice.
0: Oh yes, I heard about this. It's so lovely.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And he did this uh, because he thought it might make him invisible to the camera uh, because, (laughs) because lemon juice works as invisible ink on a piece of paper. Um, So he was arrested quite shortly after this crime and he was completely baffled in the interview. And one of my favorite quotes that came out of it was, but I wore the juice. <laughs> <laughs> so, and is
1: this where it came? Is this is this the one that got them thinking about it?
2: This is what inspired Dunning and Kruger to start their research. Oh yes. my god, so, I didn't know that. So their um, their research was published, I think, in 1999. From um, yeah. what I found, and yes, yeah, so this this occurrence in 1995 was what inspired them. Yeah, that is just that is absolutely wonderful. And one other bit that I thought was quite interesting to. Um, pick on a point that um mark was saying earlier so there was some research um that was looking at um how we evaluate ourselves accurately or not and often we inflate our own ability at something for no particular reason um, so some examples um were uh, some so some software engineers in the u.s um that worked at two different companies were asked to rate themselves as to kind of, kind of how good they were at their jobs and uh, 32% from one company and 42% from the other company put themselves in the top 5% of software engineers. <laughs>
0: oh, this is like drivers, isn't it? Because they, yeah. they survey drivers and it's, everybody thinks they're an above-average driver.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was some research in the U.S. about that and it was um, 88% of respondents thought they were excellent drivers. Yeah. Well. Wow.
0: That twelve percent really bringing the uh, the average down. <laughs>
1: yeah. But you know the twelve, those twelve percent could be the people taking the average up because they could actually be the best drivers. You know that's that's kind of the that's the the sort of the, the bizarre thing about this effect. And so I mean, I did I didn't do a lot of research on this, but when I had a, I sort of brushed up on it a bit. One of the things that I'd came across that I had forgotten about last time I would read it was. This is a normal cognitive bias that we all have. This is what they were saying. It's not that some people are particularly arrogant, so they think, oh, well, look at me, I'm perfect. So there's nothing wrong with me. It's just natural thing that all of us will at some point completely underestimate how much knowledge there is about something and then so therefore completely overestimate how good we are at something or how much we do know. And um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was,
2: yeah. Um,
0: Ever since I first found out about it, it, it's kind of, you you hear about it and you go, okay, and you look back through your own life um, at the things that you thought you were good at and you go, oh God, I have literally like, you can, uh, there's some wonderful graphs which illustrate kind of the sort of the confidence to competence curve. (laughs) Uh, And then you set them sort of plot where you were at various times in your life. I am, I, for example, uh, wrote uh, a novel at one stage, um, which I now realize I wrote very much at the the peak of uh, minimum competence, maximum uh, confidence. And and is essentially sealed. Now uh, under the bed where nobody will ever find it. Um but
1: yeah, the, I, I can Unless think of a shot of time with me, in which case I will re- you know, <laughs> that, if we ever end up on that, that's exactly where I'm going. If I end up <laughs> going around your house, it's like, right then let's look under the bed, see if we can find this novel. And then we can read it out <laughs> loudly to the Oh camera. my god. Oh, I would <laughs> expire. I would spontaneously expire.
0: Uh, but yeah, and, and but, um, I thought there was there's an interesting uh, I guess just sort of drawing links to some of the other episodes. I was thinking about it in relation to um uh Mesereau's, uh transformative learning and how you do uh, while it is kind of part of a natural learning process you do need a little bit of kind of self uh criticality and reflection and the ability to mm. challenge your own thinking in order to become aware of it um and i mean potentially move past it i mean imagine how terrible it'd be if for example you thought you were a great president um, and then just <laughs> stopped at that point and didn't move forward for for years that'd be that'd be awful
2: yeah that's one of the um the brilliant things i think is what you're describing there is resilience in learning so you're when you first learn about something you feel like you're an expert and actually the more you learn the less you feel like an expert and then until eventually you come to a point of clarity where you feel like you know enough to be an expert and I think that that's sort of the in in a sort of visual metaphor type of way mm. you you um the dunning-kruger effect kind of loses its its grip on you once you get past a certain point i suppose um but then um you have to know enough about something to to realize that you don't know everything about something
1: yes but then with the novel writing you get to a point <laughs> where you've learned lots of stuff you're actually are really good writer but your abilities to be self-critical have expanded faster than your talent so you actually think you're worse than when you started because just because your ability to be self-critical has has just advanced so much Mm. so it's this kind of works at the other end as well really and it's a matter of trying not i don't know it's like i suppose self-critic i suppose if you know a little bit about the dunning-kruger effect you can think you know this extra self-criticality i've got is simply because i know so much about what i should be doing so i know how far short of that i am but it still doesn't mean i'm not i'm worse than i was it just means that i'm i've got a different perspective on what my abilities are and i think that's the thing is that often people that don't know what they don't know still don't think they're geniuses they just overestimate their ability they, they don't think they're better than people that have been doing it for years they just don't know how little how poorly they're doing
2: blindly right. confident i think yeah mm.
1: but then that works for. i mean that worked i mean talking about presidents i mean if you're a position that you never learn anything then you will always be in that point of being supremely confident because you never even get an inkling about how bad you are and you know you look at you look at some american presidents not naming names <laughs> I mean I <laughs> haven't learned anything in their entire okay. lives and it's like and they've only been so successful because they've never learnt any self-criticality whatsoever I think we've kind of we've unpacked both elements so
0: I think we've explained what Come Down With Me is and, uh, and gotten into what Dunning-Kruger effect is uh, should we maybe try and answer our question in the second part of the show
2: mm, yeah let's go for it
1: part two
0: the answer Okay, returning to our incredibly unwieldy question from the start of the episode. Come Dunning with me, Kruger, whether teaching or dining, how do you know if what you are serving up is actually any good? Who would like to take a stab at attacking that
1: question? Yeah, I mean, are there any examples from um, Come Dine with me that you can think of where the Dunning effect has been absolutely apparent?
2: Yeah, I think um, just... As a sort of generality, there have been several examples of contestants being so sure that they were fantastic hosts and incredible chefs that they were going to win the show, only for things to unravel as their actual ability kind of jarred with their self belief. But I think, um, I think like there has been kind of some very specific moments um, in, say, for example, the couples come down with me, which we haven't actually explored the various types of come down with me. I suppose. So there's a there's a couples come down with me that that have evolved from the show where there's I think three sets of couples cook for each other same format of ratings over the week um but it it led to even more risque kind of bedroom moments which <laughs> yeah um I, I think was obviously a selling point for, for Channel 4 or 5 or whichever channel it was on at the time but yeah so so there were kind of um a lot more arguments between the couples because they they both have to kind of um input into the experience of the hosting so whether it's cooking or serving or you know um so that that led to a lot of very confident for example you know um cooks like whether that be the male or the female and then the other person in that relationship would just kind of snark at them to camera be like oh this is gonna go very badly and um <laughs> but the <laughs> <laughs> but the the kind of alpha dog if you will doesn't realize that that's actually going to happen so yeah that's i've seen that kind of uh play out across a few episodes of the couple's version there was an amazing one where on uh, and there's a celebrity version as well, uh, and I'm, I, I stress I'm not a super fan. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if you are; you're a much yeah. here, Paul. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> it doesn't matter what
1: you're a geek about, as long as you're geek uh, about something.
2: <laughs> indeed, I'm just generally a geek about TV and films. Oh okay. yeah, so so the um, this celebrity version of uh, come, come down with me. There was um, several times where people clearly don't know how to cook. But because they have a persona of being good at something, they kind of they're kind of putting that across as being good at everything, you know. Mm, yes, which I think is interesting. Um, so, so yeah, there, there's been a few. Um, I'm not going to name celebrities because I don't. I don't think that the um, the sponsorship money that we're clearly getting from condemning me, I don't think will cover the lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the- <laughs>
1: isn't isn't there, isn't there one classic? There was one classic one that went kind of viral, wasn't it? Oh, was Paul something or other and basically it's i mean the bit i saw was there was this it's just like stand-up row at the end where they op- they have an envelope which they open up to see who won them all the money because they get money mm. at the end they open it up and it's like and it wasn't them and they just have a few they just have a complete meltdown and throw everybody out the house or something like that don't they or they storm yep. out and do you yes. know that one do you know what i'm talking about because i don't remember the details yes uh, so I've uh, just, I found that okay. the stub, which was in
0: Wikipedia, okay. uh, which refers to a 2016 episode att- attracted particular attention when contestants uh, uh, we'll anonymize the contestant here, but let's just call them Peter. You need to anonymise them, it's on Wikipedia. Okay. In which case, <laughs> contestant Peter Marsh uh, made ungracious <laughs> remarks upon losing to the winning contestant, Jane. He said to her and the other contestants, what a sad little life, Jane. Enjoy the money. I hope now you will spend it on getting some lessons in grace and decorum because you have all the grace of a reversing dump trap. Any time. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: Oh. Which, which I think coming back to the question actually really perfectly outlines how it's difficult to unpick if you're, what you're serving up is actually any good because if you don't have the uh, Ability to understand that, then you you cannot know if it's any good, and I think that mm. that's that's clearly displayed with that um, outburst, isn't it?
1: Because hmm. I was asking, I was asking a super fan that I happen to know, uh, happen to be married to, in fact, and um, so have you got any tips about this? And she was saying that one of the things that I she thinks leads to this lack of criticality, self criticality, is that up until that point. They've only been surrounded by people who also don't have that criticality. So, if you are in part of a community that own that don't have the expertise to make those sorts of judgments, and they will bolster your own opinion about your ability, uh, you know, erroneously because they can't judge either. So, it's not just your own abilities to re- reflect poorly that that are giving you this this wrong impression of how good you are. It's because you're getting all this feedback from everybody else who also doesn't know how bad you are as well. So I think that ties into it to a large extent.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Cause one of the top tips to sort of battle Dunning Kruger, which is probably going to come in later in the episode, but but in terms of um one of the key things is around asking for feedback and actually considering it and even if you find it hard to listen to, but but if the feedback that you're getting is supporting your current viewpoint, then and that viewpoint isn't, you know, kind of reality. Um yeah then yeah then it, it's going to carry on isn't it definitely
1: yeah i think part of the problem is that when you're right at that end then you're not going to ask necessarily for feedback because you don't realize that you do need to get some in order to improve what you are really oh i was just thinking from from my own professional experience it's like well imagine a, you know, a thought experiment here but imagine you're working in a in a department in a university that's uh been mainly working uh at a distance as a remote you know you, it's a distance learning unit department in a university um and they've been doing correspondence courses for say 50 years and that's all they've known this is how you teach people at a distance is you send them a book and then you test them on the book at the end of the course now you're going to be fairly confident that that's what you need to carry on doing, so if, if you're not aware of the fact that lots of different things about pedagogy have come in about being more active in your learning, so you have very a very non-specific example this. Yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, uh, And also there's all these online ways that you can actually move and do discussion boards and things like that and engage people online you're not going to even ask for that feedback about am I doing this right because you've been doing it right and your predecessor have been doing it that way for decades and so you're going to assume that you're doing it in the correct way and therefore anybody who's coming in with an alternative point of view you're just going to assume don't know enough in order to be able to inform your your new practice because actually you know more than than they do and particularly if they've also got the Dunning-Kruger effect they're sitting there thinking oh you know all this stuff that i know it's a, stuff everybody knows and they're not valuing their own knowledge then they're not going to have the confidence to give, start giving feedback because they're underestimating their particular expertise because they're at the under end of the scale. So, I mean, I could imagine, and it's purely hypothetical, but I could imagine you have a team meeting where you've got a dozen people all planning the learning for that particular module, and 11 people are convinced they're right and one person's convinced they're wrong. And everybody has got it wrong because the one person who's the expert is the one person who's not being listened to. I mean, that's possible. I'm not saying it ever happens, but
0: I <laughs> Mark, I, it's if, I, if I was to, if I was to, in the edit, cut out, let's just imagine some mysterious distance learning <laughs> university. And let's imagine 11 people in a room, all this one learning designer who knew what he was talking about, called Mark. <laughs> <laughs> in, in the context of come dine with me, you can. I wonder if, to a degree as well, it's something of a self-selecting sample, making this what such a good example of the effect in kind of uh in I don't say say in practice, but in in the wild. Mm. Essentially because when you're getting, you know, if you're the channel four producer who's getting um people sending in their applications to come on it, um, I would personally consider a thousand pounds to probably not cover the costs of the therapy I might need in order to, you know, get through the the toe curling experience of being on the show and then having, you know, the world see me be on it and you know probably screw up a souffle if i was that executive i would be looking through the applications for the most um uh tv uh exciting uh, mm. personalities you know you want the person who's like i am the best cook in the home counties and both of my neighbors say so um and, and i don't care if you, know, you sit on my bed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've got nothing to hide yeah. but, and, then, <laughs> and then the coke habit comes out um and uh and and yeah and the, you know the, the person who is you know so supremely confident that they are an excellent chef that they decide to make their first ever souffle live on national television. we mm, like, yeah. well, I've seen the recipe; it's going to go absolutely fine. Uh, and then it fails, and then you know they lose face and they get upset and everything, and that makes excellent television. Um, so yeah, I wonder if um, it's uh, there's a, there's an element of that to it as well.
2: Are you suggesting, by any chance, that Channel Four executives are picking people that they? think are victims of the dunning Kruger effect because it will make better tv
0: yeah yes yes that would yeah. be what i well, do in fact if i was to describe it i would say yes people they're they're looking at people who cannot move beyond that point of uh, sort of, uh maximal uh confidence versus minimal competence <laughs> yeah uh, so that would yes really work
1: well, that's you said that was a self-selecting sample. That's not that's not self-selecting. That's selecting. oh no, sorry.
0: I, I, yeah. sorry, uh, apologies. Yes, I believe there's an element of self-selection in it. There is um, as well because a person who you know might be available uh, might be sort of more uh, metacognitively equipped to consider you know, be a bit more self-critical yeah. with regards to um, their own kind of <laughs> touch it with a large
1: pole, they? <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. They they, yeah. they might give it a little bit more distance and and sort yeah. of look at the uh, the thousand pounds.
1: As being perhaps not quite worth the uh, the, the blow to dignity, yeah, and I think that's the, but that's true of a lot of the this. Is, I mean, that's how reality shows work, isn't it? Is the entire phenomenon of reality shows is to a large extent full of people that are so lacking in self-criticality that they think they're way better than they are, and so that makes good television.
2: And I suppose the skills required for Come Dine with Me um, to be able to get onto the show you don't necessarily need to cook you just need to be entertaining so so actually the so so as a contestant you might be wanting to try to be the most entertaining because actually this is your shot at you know being on tv isn't it you know
0: yeah it's like i'll I'll be great on come dine with me and then next you know (laughs) warner brothers will be knocking and i'll be in the next chris (laughs) nolan movie
1: Exactly. I mean, things like Masterchef and uh, Great British Bake Off and things, you do get those contestants, but they're out in the first round because that's when they hit a minimum threshold where they have to achieve something. And I guess that's the other way that you combat the Dunning-Kruger effect is by setting people a task that they have to achieve. And then for when they fail to achieve it, if they have any self-criticality at all, they then think that then forces them to readdress their own particular abilities, competencies
2: I suppose that is the feedback that they get, then, isn't it? In many ways, like the, the, the kind of quite, um, I suppose, harsh reality of of their lack of ability. But then the other way around. So if you were very able, then um, you you might feel that you're going to be that person that's 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 out in the first round because you don't understand that you're more able than others.
1: Yeah. And you do see that. You go, oh my, I just didn't believe that I'd be here. You know, you see these potters. They go, I just didn't think I'd make it through to the final. And you're looking at it going, oh, my God, that is an amazing pot. How can you not believe that you are a brilliant potter? You know, so um, watch because it's the only one I've really got into is the Great Pottery Throwdown. But it's I, incredible I wouldn't from have incredible
2: from from the example that you gave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, yeah. That was kind of obvious, wasn't it, really? So... Um, yeah, but that's what they say and you just think yeah, – but that just shows that the other end of that scale works as well, that, that people who are amazing at it just don't realise how amazing at it they are because their self-critical mm. skills are so well advanced.
0: Returning us to the question then, I think yeah. we're we're already gathering some interesting answers to it. Um, I wonder if there's any more. So we've got whether teaching or dining, how do you know if what you are serving up is actually any good? And we've discussed assessment and feedback as being ways that you can find mm. out if what you're serving up is – actually any good and i'd suggest as well actually an awareness of the dunning-kruger effect because uh, having kind of that um that uh, ability to reflect um and uh, perhaps contextualize where you are with things in relation to kind of your journey along the curve yeah. as it were may
1: may be something that could help is there anything else we think move out of that filter bubble i think the more experiences you expose yourself to where that knowledge is tested okay it's feedback as well but it's not it's not eliciting feedback from people or from a testing situation. It's just being more aware of the world around you. I mean, the example I w- would have, because I was well aware of the Dunning Kruger effect, but the, th- the problem is, is that knowing it exists and knowing which bits you don't know anything about are very different things. Is, you know, we've talked about like Ghost in the Shell and Godzilla movies and, and Ghib- Studio Ghibli movies and all that. And I thought I was immersed fairly well in Japanese culture. Until I went to Japan. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know what the hell is going on here. You know, you <laughs> walk into a warehouse, basically, full of manga and DVDs, and you don't recognize anything in there. And and the, the, the fact that what you're aware of is less than 1% of the entire cultural output of a country um, and isn't a significant part of it either. It's just the bit that's caught, bits that have caught on in the West. Is a really salutary experience and i mean that's what i and, but i found that out by going to japan really and realizing how little i really really knew and you know it wasn't that i thought well i know everything about japan i thought well you know i'll walk around this and i'll, I'll see some posters and things and i'll think oh yeah that's that's attack on titan or whatever i didn't see anything i recognized apart from some thunderbirds um <laughs> things which is western anyway so yes yeah, so that's an ex- uh, one maybe way you can do it is you know, cook for lots not just cook for your friends if it's about cooking, but cook for people that you don't I don't know, you would want to cook for people you don't know, but
2: or <laughs> come come dine with me contestants, get on Master Chef. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come exactly. on, nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. I suppose it does in, what is important is some sense of humility in that there's a tendency sometimes for people to reject feedback that doesn't align with the way that they see their 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 own abilities. So, you tell them, you know, this is spelt wrongly or the tense is wrong here. Sometimes you might get people saying, no, it's not. You're wrong. And so, I suppose you always mm-hmm. need to bear that in mind to some extent is that, um, is to be open to the fact that you need your whole worldview thrown out by somebody that knows a bit more about it than you do. Paul, how about you?
2: I think what I said there about come down is. Uh, stars going on to master chef kind of um is what i think in a nutshell but uh, in terms of <laughs> <laughs> um in terms of uh, kind of yeah um any things that kind of additional answers that i could uh bring um i think my experience of kind of i suppose it's to do with like skill acquisition for me so um i when I was um, doing my master's, um, I was teaching a seminar um, on skill acquisition to um, undergrads and the thing that was always uh, kind of a key to any skill acquisition knowledge or learning is is practice basically practice try try again and 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 that kind of um, logic of resilience to education that we spoke about earlier um, kind of ties into that in terms of kind of when you 're Either brand new to a skill and therefore have a lot of confidence, and might be affected by the Dunning-Kruger effect in those kind of early stages. Actually, kind of following that kind of skill acquisition logic of you're probably not as good as you think you are. You know, you need to keep practicing and 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 kind of develop those skills. Um, is is a really useful way of thinking about um, how you you can um, not let the uh, your incompetence cloud your actual ability at something. So, kind of learning something from the the theory of skill acquisition could be quite a helpful takeaway.
0: That's brilliant. So, normally, what I do now? Well, normally, you'd offer your own. Well, I don't know. I don't think I have gone, okay. significant. To, I don't think I have anything significant to add, which I haven't already added. I would add okay. in my uh, my own personal reflection. Um, on it which is just the, weirdly the link to this podcast and I'm kind of aware that I probably started the podcast when I was at the absolute crashing valley um, of uh, sort of my my confidence in my understanding of pedagogy. Oh you will um, come down with me then. <laughs> 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 and, but, um, but you know and having been doing this for the last sort of two and a half years or two years two and a half years at this point Um I'm definitely not kind of at the, the the peak of confidence, but I'm much more confident in my understanding of how little I know mm. and much more comfortable with that and the kind of the ever-broadening sort of uh, spider web going outwards of understanding and interconnectedness related to what I don't know with it in a kind of, you know, I'm, I'm on a journey and I'm definitely not at the, at the peak yet. But yeah, so I don't really have anything significant to add. What I would normally do at this point uh, is see if anybody would like to bravely try and summarize an answer to our question. In a sentence or two. So the question was: Come dining with me, Kruger. Whether teaching or dining, how do you know if what you are serving up is actually any good?
2: Okay. My answer to that would be that you don't. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my, uh, Well, uh, my answer would be you can't know for sure. But you could. What can help is get feedback from people. As many people as you can get, from many situations as you can get, on what you're doing, and not just rely on your own judgment or the judgment of the people who are closest to you, because if you don't know what you're doing wrong, there's a good chance they won't know what you're doing wrong either. Absolutely, yeah. So to expand on Paul's point, would be you don't on your own.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a beautifully pithy way to sum it all up. Okay, oh, okay. So I think we've answered our question. In the next part of the show, we're gonna look at any practical tips you can take away for your own practice. Part three, practical tips for your own teaching. Okay, gentlemen, so I think we've already covered a few of these um, as we've been talking through our answer, but what would be kind of your headline tips for educators, learning designers and learners for people to take away into their own practice?
2: So for me, it would be um, ask as wide an audience as possible for as um, honest review of whatever it is as possible and actually listen to it. Don't just discard it because it's not what, what you want to hear if it isn't what you want to hear. That is an excellent top tip. That was... Um, oh, am I just doing one or do you want me to... Oh,
0: you, you can do uh, when you, <laughs> have have you Have you got more? Like more then? <laughs>
2: yeah, fine. <laughs> 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 there's, no, there's no quota to fill. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> so, um,
1: but, yeah. on, on the Plexigogi, we have three. Oh, okay. Oh.
2: <laughs> wow! I shall try and it uh, <laughs> up some more then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I can come up with one more. Uh, go on, then one more. And then so that is um, uh, which is just going to be two words. Okay. So so here we go. Ooh. I'm going to pause so that you can get this uh, properly edited in as well, Mike. Okay. <laughs> okay. Keep learning.
0: Excellent. Yay! Whoa.
2: Whoa. Yeah. Plane. Yeah. I mean, who thought that was going to come from a, as a top tip, but I think, um, that kind of those two words together, keep learning guys, you know, um, is kind of what we were discussing around how you can, um, you know, kind of develop your, your skill and your ability, um, in a sort of persistent way without, without assuming that you are either good or bad.
1: I have a quick one. Oh no, I, I, want, I, want, I want to go next. You, you go, Mark. Well, I want to, to do it in a Paul style. So I'm going to pause, and then I'm going to have two words. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, keep doubting. Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's on the, on the edgy split Because <laughs> you never know at what point you must unlearn what you have learned. You know, because there's always a possibility that what you know isn't actually true. That is so true. Yeah. Oh, that is good. <laughs> Can I oh, man, I ones to... that... No, same style. I know um, <laughs> oh, bollocks.
2: I'm um, really intrigued by what you're going to after the word keep. To be honest, oh, I'm, not,
0: I'm not sure I can. Uh, I can. I can do two words. I'm not sure I can use the word keep. Okay, go on. Teach learning. So teach about the learning process. Um, I don't think it's something that's really covered generally. I mean, it definitely isn't something that's covered at school. It's actually like you know talking to people about the process of how they're learning and understanding things like this and about kind of the the mental journey you go on as you learn stuff is really important and it helps you kind of better contextualize what you're doing and understand how you know you can be a better learner be a more effective learner teach learning yes yeah, so i think yeah, yeah. that's my, my top tip is teach learning and i think uh the dunning-kruger effect in there would be a good thing to introduce as much as anything because it has a great anecdote related to it as introduced earlier by Paul
1: yeah I think that's the I mean that's I'm always holding up for that that I think part of the induction that students could go should go through when they're at university is uh, a module on pedagogy on learning you know because there's so much that you could learn that it would help their learning so much to actually understand why it's been structured the way it is and why they're doing the things they're doing throughout the course and mm. you know we We've had a few messages from our listeners who are students saying it helps them so much with what they're doing at university because, you know, they understand the context for why they're doing the stuff they're doing, um, which is nice, but it would be good if they were getting that at their unis as well, really.
2: I agree. I think you you could say that about almost every level of education to an extent in terms of learning why you're learning. Mm. Yeah,
0: Critical pedagogy link there as well, I suppose. Cool. Jesse Stommel's work on enabling people to be more critical about um, how they are being taught and what they're being taught.
1: Yeah, the problem then is, of course, this is possibly why they're not doing it, because if you're taught how you should be taught and then you're not taught that way, you're enabling your students to actually criticise, I mean, rationally, critically, what is it you're doing, and it's kind of maybe creating... You know, a, a petard, you a hoist hoist be your own petard, then by sort of giving them a, a kind of a, an analytical framework to judge how good you're doing at your job. So I can oh, see yeah, there's that. a thing against that. Any university with its big boy trousers on, though, should be able
0: to uh, to do that. And then yeah. if the students come back and say, "Oh, you're teaching me right," and they've got nothing to stand back on, then pa, <laughs> <laughs> deserved it. <It's> silly sausages. Just to summarise, then we had keep learning, keep doubting, and keep teaching learning. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: those were our three top no, tips. No, because um, uh, Paul had one before those. He had a, oh, he had a really Asian. good one. He had a really oh, good... Yeah, he had a really sort of... Yeah, before... But it... Can you can, you,
0: can you re-summarise that as two words now? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: it was... It was uh, um, seek feedback or something. I can't remember.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was... Um... Uh, ask us what an audience but is possible. You've done this can, before, Mike. Is, we've done a summary, and then you're asking us to do another yeah, summary. Yeah, I mean, just, just just go back in the recording, man. <laughs> <laughs> I can try to condense my, you know, because <laughs> it doesn't fit with the other pattern of, of, of the rest of it. Yeah, it?
1: yeah. Oh, we need uh. to Can you remember what it
0: was? Was it like. <laughs> it, I mean, I, I've written here, here ask as wide an audience as possible.
2: Yes, yeah. that was it. Keep, asking. It? Yeah. keep asking. Keep, keep asking. asking. Keep yes, yes. Okay. There we go. Okay, I'm gonna, so it's, it's keep I'm gonna asking. I'm going to pause. Okay, keep, hang on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> keep asking. <laughs>
0: Ask as
1: wide well, an audience, audience
2: as possible. Yeah, yeah, as frequently as possible. As frequently as
1: possible, exactly. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and then keep learning, keep doubting, then keep teach and teach learning. Exactly,
0: <laughs> and keep learn teach.
1: teaching. <laughs> learn, keep teach. Okay, great. I think we've definitely um, we've. Do you want to do that again? Do you? We, we might want a proper seminar. Just probably... No, We're keeping that one. That's the type. That's the type we're <laughs>
0: keeping. <Okay>. Brilliant. <laughs> Okay, uh unless anybody has anything else they want to raise, um, I will close us out on the episode. <laughs> no. Okay, okay. No, that, well, that's it. That's great, yeah. Mark and Paul, thank you very much for for joining me. I I never owned an episode like that. Where's my normal outro? Fuck, okay, I'll just do those. Okay, and that's that. So uh, thanks very so much for listening. How do I normally end this? <laughs> like actual
1: ending for this podcast. Brilliant outro. So this is basically after hmm. twenty six episodes, the best you can come up with, and that's that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I really I'm enjoyed like, that outro. Like, it was really good. It like, yeah, was really good, yeah. Oh. Uh, that was that, and this is this. Just put on your radio DJ voice and be like, well, thank you for call- coming yeah. along to our episode today, guys. I really appreciate your input. That was absolutely uh, really, really, really Thanks great. to our callers, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really insightful
1: comments there, guys. Yeah. Now for Jennifer with the weather.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be um, to tie into the start of the episode? And here's a uh, song from Plantfoot, the best band. I've I've that, yes. yeah. Oh my god! yes. Can we guess <laughs> from Plantfoot? It's <laughs> sign, sign a of Can we actually do that? it does exist on youtube but the the sound quality is quite poor yeah
0: and now for a song from plantfoot just to close the episode (laughs) off we apologize for the poor sound quality we were
2: hopefully
0: paul's the copyright owner won't uh yes
2: request i have proprietary rights so it's all good it's all good excellent
0: Um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, you can subscribe to us on all of your favourite apps, feeds, iTunes, and at our website, pedagogs.com. You can also get in touch with us via Twitter. I'm at pedagogzilla. I'm at Mark Childs. And Paul, do you have a, a Twitter handle you'd like to share?
2: Um, I do. Hang on, but I don't remember it. Just, just let me find it. Hang on. My Twitter handles is uh, at astals underscore Paul. If you've
0: enjoyed the episode, and we hope you did, we would be obliged if you could share it or leave a review on the platform of your choice, as it's a big old help in reaching new audiences. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you again next
1: time on Pedicotilla. Goodbye now. Bye. Bye. How how did you forget that Twitter handle? It's your name. Just, I just
2: panicked. I just panicked. <laughs> <it, didn't> <laughs> My name's <Yeah>. <laughs> it, It's like that thing when, when someone asks you a question that's so simple. That you just, you just Start completely blank. Yeah. <laughs>